This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. On DAB Digital Radio, Digital TV, downloads and online. This is Five Lives Checkered Flag Podcast. Five Live Formula One. The Monaco Grand Prix. Hello and welcome to the chequered flag from the beautiful port of Monaco. We've had a whopper of a race, 78 laps. Much of that was quite dull, but actually it came to life towards the end. It was a Sebastian Vettel win followed by Kimi Raikkonen and Daniel Ricciardo. But the paddock is awash with chit-chat about team orders and whether Ferrari have once again reverted to the old trick. This time it would be legal, let's just put it out there, but have they done it? Alan McNish, former F1 driver, and Jack Nichols, our F1 commentator, have joined us to debate and talk about everything Formula One and Monaco after the sixth round of the World Championship. Um, Jack, talk us through the story of the race. Well, it's quite a short one, really, Jenny. Um, Kimi Raikkonen started on pole position. He led away, uh, off he went, and uh, that was kind of it until the pit stops came. Uh, Raikkonen pitted first, then Vettel found a huge heap of pace and ended up leaping Kimi Raikkonen at the pit stops. Uh, Ferrari won two till the end. Third place, though, was Daniel Ricciardo. Actually, he was very impressive because he was fifth, used a good strategy to get him into third. Valtteri Bottas will be disappointed he could only finish fourth. As for Lewis Hamilton, started 13th, gained a position off the start, then just kind of kept going round while everyone pitted, went very fast, and finished in seventh place. That's pretty much the story of the race, apart from a crash between Jensen Button and Pascal Verlaine, which flipped Pascal Verlaine into the barriers, which is a bit scary at one point, but he's all right, it's okay. Uh, I'm Jenny Gale, by the way. I didn't introduce myself at the top. I have now. I was the one that blundered my way through the gridwalk. You might have uh, heard that. But I can, I can just now clear up that it was James Marsden I spoke to, not Chris Hemsworth or Liam Hemsworth, although I did eventually speak to Liam Hemsworth after calling him Chris, Chris Hemsworth. The other way around. Chris. You see? Chris. You spoke to Chris? I did speak to Chris, not Liam. And we were going to get Liam cutting one, but we haven't done that. Anyway, I digress. Let's get back to the game that is Formula One. And Alan, it was a nasty incident for Pascal Verlein, seeing him in the fencing uh, and in the Tech Pro barriers. And it took a good while for them to get him out of the car. I want to start with that because I, I just want to know, as a driver watching on, how difficult that is to, to deal with and how worried you were. Well, you never want to see a car stuck up against the barrier where the driver's head is next to the barrier. But that's exactly what we saw. We didn't know who it was because we could only see the floor of the car in the first pictures. And then afterwards, we saw Jensen Button a little bit further down the circuit with the front wheel hanging off. And you put two and two together, and this time, unfortunately, we equaled four, where Button dived down the inside into Poitiers corner, which is a 90-degree right-hander just before the tunnel. Uh, however... Verline was already turning into the corner and it's not a place I've ever seen a successful overtake manoeuvre before and I still haven't because the two of them collided, flipped Verline up into the, the barrier. It took so long to take Verline out of the car because they needed to gently put the car back onto all four wheels to allow him to extract himself. But thankfully, everybody was all OK. Um, the sound in the background while Alan was talking there was uh, Lewis Hamilton coming out of the paddock. He's being mobbed now by autograph hunters just to the right of us, wearing his white baseball cap. He makes his way towards the jetty where I think he'll probably be getting on a boat and motoring off to the um, Mercedes yacht, potentially. Um, so we've got the Pascal Verline incident out of the way. We'll hear from Jensen Button, Lewis Hamilton, Daniel Ricciardo and Felipe Massa 
shortly. But let's start by hearing from the two Ferrari men, Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel. Very different moods from both of them. Have a listen. The plan was to win and to have both cars up on the podium and ideally first and second. That was the primary goal. Uh, we sat down this morning, we spoke about the first corner, we spoke about the race, the strategy and obviously the lead car got priority and as it turned out today it, there was a chance to you know, stay out longer and turn it around. I think it's been the first time for a long, long time that it worked here. So uh, I don't think you could, could have guessed that. For me, I mean, it's clear, you know, I'm, I want to win. <laughs> Yeah, that was the only chance I got and I made, uh, I made use of it. So I'm very happy with today, very happy with the laps that I put in at that time. <laughs> they were better than yesterday in Quali. So uh, overall, it's been uh, obviously a great day. But uh, first of all, a great day for the team. Sebastian, the first 1-2 for seven years for Ferrari. But still, there's a this strange atmosphere with uh, Kimi being sad. Uh, um, how do we have to understand this, this situation? It should be the big party and it's... No, it's not weird. I think it's normal. He's a driver. He's a racing driver, and uh, you know he started from pole. He did well the first part of the race, and uh, you know if you then uh, come out and or, you know then uh, after the pit stops you're second. Of course, he's not happy. So uh, I think it would be the same the other way around. Uh, obviously, it was impossible to predict that. Uh, I don't think that Daniel had priority over Max going into the race. So it's the same situation there, just a couple of places back, but. Uh, I think it, you don't need to make a big story. I think it's normal that he's upset. He's here to win. You know, he's he's been around for a long time, but uh, you know, his motivation is still uh, an inspiration. He's pushing very hard. I said at the beginning of the year, I got the question that after two or three qualifyings, that it looks that uh, it's in my favour, and he's struggling. But I said it's really close. You saw in Russia, it was really close. In Barcelona, he was really close. Uh, I had still had the upper hand, and here he turned it around. So. I don't think it was a surprise, at least not for me, but it's normal, I think, to come out uh, after the race on Sunday when you have the chance to win, you don't, to be upset. So team orders aren't in operation at Ferrari at the moment? No, I mean, we spoke about the race before and team orders were not on the table. I mean, uh, if you look at the championship and so on, you can say, ah, it's the better result, whatever, but, you know, Kimi has the chance to win, I had the chance to win today. Uh, with a couple of, of laps, I knew that this would be the only chance. I made it stick, so I'm very happy about that. But I surely understand that Kim is not happy. Obviously, I don't know what happened today, apart from that we, we had one and two. And uh, obviously, I, I got a bit not as good result as I was hoping, but uh, that's how it goes. Well, obviously, he finished first, I finished second, so that's only what, uh, how I see it right now. And um, yeah, it's far from ideal, but uh, that's what we got today. I mean, obviously, for the team, it's what we wanted, but for myself, I wanted more. So, Alan, team orders. Vettel categorically says no, team orders are not in play. Do you buy it? I actually spoke to. Uh someone at Ferrari after the race because it looked very suspicious shall we say that it wasn't equal footing for both and I'm not 100% sure it was equal footing for both and I don't think it necessarily was a premeditated team order Valtteri Bottas had pitted and uh, Ferrari tried to cover with Kimi Raikkonen in case Bottas would come out after the pit stops ahead and lead the race however 
normally you should cover with the guy that was second, not the guy that was leading. And that gave a little bit of free air to Sebastian Vettel to go longer uh, with his uh, tyres and at a fantastically quick pace. And then after the pit stop, it allowed him to come out ahead. So if I sum up, I think the fastest guy won the race. I think the right guy won the race. However, looking at uh, Kimi Raikkonen's face on the podium, which looked like thunder, to say the least, suspects to me that he feels that maybe strategically it wasn't the best play by Ferrari, whether intentional or not. Yeah, in general, I'd agree with that because there's, there's no need for them to hide team orders. There's no need for them to say, no, there were no team orders when there were because it's perfectly acceptable to have team orders in Formula One. And, and many people will say, well, it's a team sport. So on that hand, you have to say, well, if, if they're having team orders, they just say, yeah, it, we were. But it, just, it all just seemed a bit too suspicious. And I think it, if it had been the other way around, we'd probably be lambasting Ferrari for messing up the strategy and, and costing Sebastian Vettel, if it were, a race victory if Bottas had won, if you see what I mean. So uh, it's, it's a really, really difficult one to judge. And opinion is split. There are some people in the paddock who will say, absolutely, team orders. What are you talking about, you idiot? And other people will say, well, no, it was just a bad strategy call. I think you could say there's certainly there is obviously favouritism towards Sebastian Vettel in the World Championship fight. That, I think, it has been the case from the word go. Ferrari have to win this year they've got a fantastic opportunity this was the first victory here in Monaco since 2001 huge time has passed since the last time they won this race and also in terms of the world championship it's been a long time in fact Kimi Raikkonen was a man that took the last title for the the prancing horse and so therefore they've got to maximize every single situation I wouldn't say they were wrong if ultimately it was a team order, I don't necessarily believe it was, but I definitely do think that they have a preferential system which uh, is favouring Sebastian Vettel. Well, let's hear from a man who used to be at Ferrari and was subject to one of those calls for team orders, which was an illegal call at the time, back in 2010. Uh, the message came out, um, Felipe... Fernando is faster than you, and it was Massa who had to get out of the way. It cost the team £65,000. Nothing like that this time, but at least he's a man with experience at Ferrari. It's the chance Ferrari has to win the championship. So I would say maybe two races ago, I was saying to my friends, I said, uh, I think the, the race for, for Ferrari uh, is the only one driver, and uh, maybe even Mercedes. So because uh, two races ago, they had like a big difference in the points. Mercedes last race, Ferrari like or since two races ago, that uh, is no point to, you know, uh, uh, lose any points, and I'm sure they will do that every race. Is that just Ferrari's way? Is that how they operate? You were there for a long time. Yeah, maybe it's the only way. Also, the only way not, but maybe it's a good way for them to win the championship this year, so they will not lose any points. I honestly feel like this year the debate about team orders for both Ferrari and for Mercedes, who at the moment, as we look at in the Monaco paddock, are right next to each other. This will rumble on for some time, I feel, Jack. Well, only because we're all looking at trying to figure out who's going to win the Formula One World Championship. And if you want to do that, the best way to do that is to impose team orders. It's not, it's not because we're desperate to try and find some sort of angle or something. It's because it makes absolute logical and competitive sense to back the driver who has the most points in the championship. You know, those are just sort of facts. And so it's not that we're looking for any angle or trying to stir stuff up. It's just you're looking at it thinking, Ferrari can't afford 
to just let their drivers take points off each other. Those seven points that Vettel would have lost today had Raikkonen won the Grand Prix, that could be vital come the end of the season. We've seen titles separated by half a point in the past. Yeah, they have. And, uh, you know, I come back to one simple fact is that uh, in the race, the fastest guy did win. It was Sebastian Vettel. Because after he got ahead at the pit stop, then he disappeared into the distance and he was quicker than Kimi Raikkonen. So Raikkonen, I think you have to take your hat off to him what he did yesterday in qualifying. He did pull away at the beginning of the race. At the end of his stint, he was struggling a little bit and he had a couple of lap times that were a little bit off the pace and uh, then Vettel just took charge at that moment in time. And the speed that Vettel showed was the speed of someone that wants a fifth world title. Um, Daniel Ricciardo was the third place man, sort of awkwardly stood next to the two Ferrari drivers. I mean, Kimi Räikkönen had a face of thunder. Sebastian Vettel was clearly delighted. And Daniel Ricciardo also delighted to be back on the podium in third spot. But have a listen. It was clearly awkward. A little bit. As you can tell, I'm kind of half asleep right now. Uh, (laughs) I'm not drunk. I didn't have much champagne at all, so it was too heavy to lift. But... um, yeah, it was it was interesting, uh, but you know, obviously they had their reasons. It uh, normally though, you know, if you pit early, it, it's the the undercut works, but all the that scenario works. But I, I think it came out in traffic maybe, so that's that doesn't sound like it was the best thing to do. But just happy to be on the podium, but more so happy to obviously it's a reward for myself and the team, but happy that we showed pace today and showed what uh, yeah more of our potential around these streets. Do you feel it bodes well for the rest of the season or is uh, Monaco and Singapore, is it kind of limited to the street circuit? I think the street circuits, you know, at the moment are obviously our, our strongest suit. But um, we have to, yeah, we have to obviously keep, keep improving. You know, we tried this weekend the, that T-wing and, and all that kind of jazz. Um, so, yeah, whether that will stay on the car now for future races, we'll see. But uh, nice, you know, back-to-back podiums, cool. It's, it's, uh, it's all right. So, good for Daniel Ricciardo, but on the flip side, um, if you look at fourth place, it was Bottas, and fifth place, Verstappen. Verstappen took an age to come out and speak to the media. He was clearly frustrated, annoyed, and emotional about his finishing position, and the call, which was basically he was the first driver to come into the pits, and I still feel he felt that's wrong. Well, this is one of the points that that justifies the, the Ferrari theory, in that Red Bull thought it would be better to pit Max Verstappen to get the sort of undercut on uh, Valtteri Bottas. Didn't work. As a result, Ricardo was left out in clear air, suddenly got a, got a second lease of life in his tyres and off he went and stormed through to take third. So that, that is part of the strategical element that, that kind of makes you think maybe it wasn't intentional from Ferrari because Red Bull weren't planning on doing that. They were planning on getting Verstappen up into third position and ahead of Bottas. But it didn't work out the way that they would have expected it to, to go. I think Ricardo drove an excellent race. You have to say, you have to wonder if Mercedes dropped the ball a little bit today. They did a great job with um, Lewis Hamilton, getting him up to seventh place at the end. But you've got to say Valtteri Bottas should have been on the podium. When was the last time a Mercedes was not on the podium? And I don't mean when the two of them crashed into each other, being Rosberg and Hamilton in Spain last year. But when was the last time they were not on the podium due to lack of performance? I'm going to punt at 2014, but I'm not sure which race. Have you got the answer for us, or are you just lobbing the, uh, lobbing the question? I'm throwing it out there because I tell you what, this is a, the last time I think was pre this hybrid era. They weren't on the pace to have the podium. They were struggling. And so, you know, I, 
it does say this is not quite the Mercedes that we had 12 months ago, 24 months ago, 36 months ago. It's a sort of, could be a, a switching of it. And to see the Red Bull able to take the fight to them, I think is encouraging as well, coming up to some of the races. Maybe not necessarily Montreal, but I'm thinking more when we get to some of the European circuits again. So uh, how important is a weekend like this, a quarter of the way through the season, and Vettel has a 25-point lead, a, a strong week. Is this, does this, as a driver, really swing you mentally and you go, right, this is it, I am properly on the front foot here. Vettel is now the world championship favourite. Well, it gives confidence, there is no question about it. I'd always prefer to have a 25-point lead than a few points, as uh, Sebastian Vettel was coming into this weekend. On the other side of it, we've seen Lewis Hamilton come back from you know, bigger deficits than 25 points to ultimately win a world championship. So it's certainly not lost in Hamilton's comment on the radio to his team, directly to his team, saying we haven't lost this one. I think it was him basically re-energising or trying to keep them a little bit energised because, you know, they are a little bit on the back foot right now. Uh, the psychological battle will run and run. It's not over and it certainly isn't. We're only six races into a, a very long world championship season. OK, well, let's hear from... Lewis Hamilton. He finished, as you said, in seventh place behind um, Sainz and Verstappen. Uh, collects a decent bundle of points, but as the guys point out, 25 points behind Sebastian Vettel. I think it was very good. I'm really happy with it, to be honest. Um, yeah, you know, I think to come here today, they they'd said that we wouldn't even get um, past 10th. They said that 10th was uh, the best we could get. And so to come away with, I think, was it five points or whatever it is, six points? I'm so happy with that. You know, I have to be grateful for the little thing, things. And the team did a great job. I, I managed to make some ground. It's impossible to overtake. Oh, my God, I tried. Otherwise, I think I may, may have got a little bit further ahead. But uh, I'm just grateful for, for where I ended up. And we're a long way behind. But I just let my guys know that we this doesn't mean nothing. Yeah, it was a good uh, sort of... Uh, quote to them you said and um, the battle's not over guys is that a message to them is that a message to ferrari no the battle's to, to my team you know because we're some of them might be downhearted you know it's been a difficult weekend ferrari have really wiped the floor with us and uh everyone's working hard back at the factory in here and i want them to know that this ain't no thing but a chicken wing and it's it's clear ferrari are trying to keep that um you know team orders there they let vettel get that number one spot so you've got a fight on your hands now as Mercedes yeah yeah definitely it's going to be they are quick but I think in the next races we're going to have to make sure we're ahead of them that's the plan well after Lewis Hamilton comes Grosjean Massa and Magnussen that rounds out the point scoring positions with Palmer Ocon Perez Kvyat and Stroll following now Jensen Button his big return to Monaco, he was always going to be in trouble, wasn't he? Because he had all those grid penalties going into it. So he had to start last place and actually started from the pit lane. But it, things never got better for him. Well, it all went sour in that pit stop where he came out behind Pascal Verlaine. And um, Pascal Verlaine got a... Uh, it was an unsafe release by the Sauber team. He got a five-second time penalty, but that didn't help Jensen Button at all because he was still stuck behind him and that penalty would only have been applied at the end of the Grand Prix. So that was an unfortunate sort of decision by the stewards. I'm not quite sure what else they could have done, but it, it didn't just didn't work out for Button. Yes, Verline got penalised, but not enough to actually uh, affect Button's race. And so then he spent the next sort of 60 laps or so behind him, got a bit bored and rammed him into the sea. 
It's not quite how he termed it. Um, and he was really genuinely concerned for Verline's health and safety. And actually, he points out that he would in future like the FIA to look at the rear of those cars because he doesn't feel that they're safe. I went, yeah, I went uh, up the inside and obviously I thought it was, uh, was on because I wouldn't have made the move. And uh, got alongside, well, where I thought I was alongside him. But uh, then I looked across and I was like, he hasn't seen me at all. You know, these cars are so difficult to see out of the back of. Um, I've been telling the team and the FI that this weekend. Um, so I tried to back out of it, but it was too late and uh, we touched. And, but I've, I've never seen a car go up on its side before. So I don't know if that's the way the tyre is or what, or just unlucky today. I don't know. But um, horrible to see. I wanted to get out of the way as soon as possible because obviously the... The leaders were coming around, um, and uh, obviously I asked as soon as I stopped uh, the car, um, and they said he got out on, a, on his own, which is good. Um, and I saw him a bit early, obviously he wasn't very happy, but uh, he seemed, uh, seemed okay anyway. Jensen, your last race then for Formula One. I don't think you're going to come back after this. <laughs> no, as far as I know, not. So um, it's definitely not the plan. And emotionally, I know it wouldn't have been kind of the send-off that you wanted with the accident happening and starting from the back of the grid, but what are your emotions now? Yeah, just I'm glad that he's okay. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, always a... Uh, you never like seeing a car roll on its side, however it's happened. So um, I'm glad he's able to walk away and you never want to collide with anyone either. But um, I thought the move was on, else I wouldn't have even tried. And, uh, and um, yeah, he, I don't think he saw me. Um, because the way the cars are, they're very difficult to see other cars behind. So I'm guessing it was that, and I tried to back out of it, but it was too late. So uh, we collided, so I'm very sorry for that, and glad he's okay. So, so what does the future hold for Jensen Button? If you're not going to be here, I don't see you coming back here just as a spectator and, yeah. and lording it up drinking champagne. Well, I got, I'm going to Silverstone as a, a team member, and uh, I won't be driving, but I'll be supporting. So looking forward to that, and um, I've also got some other things that I'm going to be doing, so it should be fun. I thought it was quite a nice touch at the beginning of the race, the formation lap, that um, Jensen Button and Fernando Alonso had a little chit-chat with Alonso being out in Indy. Yeah, uh, Alonso doing the Indianapolis 500 this weekend, and it must have been pretty early in the morning uh, back in Indianapolis, but um, yeah, he came over, he said, please take good care of the car, and uh, Button said, oh, don't worry, I will, I might pee in the seat. So uh, he literally keeping his seat warm for him while he's away in Indianapolis. That seems a bit wrong. Um, by now, if you're listening to this, we'll know whether Alonso has won the Indy 500 or not. We don't. Unless it's rained. Unless it's rained. Oh, unless it's rained. Well, even then, still, if people are listening to this on Tuesday, <laughs> they'll, they'll be in a more smug position than we are because we don't know. Can I just say, just quickly about the peeing in the seat. Do, do drivers go to the lavatory in the seats all the time, Alan? Is that quite a usual thing? You can speak for yourself. <laughs> I think this has taken an unsavoury turn for the worst, and we should probably wrap things up. At two weeks' time, we go to Montreal, Canada, the home of Lance Stroll. He'll be making his debut at his home track for the Williams team. Meanwhile, at the top of the field, it'll be another battle between Mercedes and Ferrari, but which driver will come out on top? Uh, thank you for joining us. This has been a USP content production for BBC Radio 5 Live. My thanks to Jack, to Alan, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. On digital and online. This is BBC Radio 5 Live. bbc.co.uk slash 5 Live.